Mexico. I said, you're Jewish. Yes, I'm Jewish. But my, my grandparents did not teach their children. They want to totally assimilate into the Mexican culture, so they never taught them German, never taught them about uh, Judaism at all. But when he was about 18, he said, I want to go to Israel. And he began the process of making Aliyah, which you guys know is coming back to the land. And he applied to, to join the IDF at 17, 18 years old to apply to the IDF so that he could serve in the uh, Israeli army and then uh, he would become a citizen. But he said halfway through something happened and I didn't go. And, uh, but I thought, here I am, I have a Jewish translator. This is awesome. Uh, but he loves Jesus, loves Jesus, he and his wife love Jesus. So we had just this sort of amazing different things happening that way. So you might ask, what, what was this all about? I told you before that I was gonna go teach in a Bible college, in this Bible college, it's a two-year school where people come from around the area, from the mountains, from the indigenous tribal people north, and, uh, and they give two weeks to study. Um, they do that three or four times a year. They come for two weeks and they study what we taught this week or another course, and then they have another series next week that they're gonna take. So they, we teach about nine hours, uh, actually we did 10, but nine hours, and then they get tested on that. Now back home, they have a notebook, they have to go through everything, pre-test, and then they come, we teach it, and then they get tested again. And they did that twice this past, this past week. Um, it, it's just amazing and, um, how God was using them. One of the things that just, um, one day I might just teach this whole course to us. I'd never taught it before in my part. And they had 18 lessons about God's provision for us in Christ. We all know that Jesus died on the cross for our sins, right? We know that he was buried. We know that he rose again the third day. But all that Jesus did in that, in God sending his son, was far more than just to save me. He provided so much for us. Let me go down through the lessons so that you can get a feel for what we talked about. How do you talk 18 hours on different things about Jesus? You know, think, well, we can talk about his birth. We can talk about his death. What else? Miracles? Yeah, it works. But listen to this. The very first one said, Jesus Christ's father, Father's incarnate gift. God sent his son. Jesus became a man, incarnate in the flesh, God-man in the flesh, that we might know God. Second class was God's servant among us. He became a man, a servant, and talked about the servanthood of Jesus Christ and how important that is. And then the next three lessons, of which I had two of these, is that, that Jesus is God's word to us. John chapter one says, in the beginning was the word, and the word became flesh. And when you work that out, it really say, it says that Jesus was the prophet. He came and revealed the words of God to people. I'm thankful for that Jesus came to reveal the words of God. And then the second thing, he became our high priest. So not only is he a prophet, but he's a priest, and also he's a king. He's a ruler, and he has a kingdom. So those uh, uh, king reigning over us, that's the first five lessons. And then, then the second thing was that he personally knows our need. He knows what man's need is. He knows that we're lost. Jesus said, I've come to seek and to save that which was lost. So Father God knew from the beginning that Adam and Eve would have disobeyed the Lord and sin would have come into the world, but Jesus, God had a plan. His name was Jesus. God knew we needed a Savior. And so even through the old uh, Levitical sacrifice, he was just showing that, that men's sin needs to be taken care of. And then Jesus comes. And then uh, the next lesson of that was that Jesus, uh, God knows through Jesus uh, that he personally prays for our sins. 
my sin, your sin. You can be forgiven. You, you can have your sins washed away. You can be made white as snow. And then we shared communion. That was, that was an awesome time of sharing communion together with that class. There was about six, uh, 27 of them. There were seven more that were going to come, but their bus broke down up in the mountains and they couldn't get there. So sometime they're going to have to take this class again because they were, were not able to do it. So from there, from communion, we talked about Jesus' resurrection and his exaltation. He ascended on high. And then the, Father, uh, the Bible says that when Jesus ascended on heaven, he said when Jesus ascended, the, the Father will send the Holy Spirit. Jesus said, I'm going to send forth the Holy Spirit to you so that you can be empowered to live for me. All this is what Jesus Christ has done for us. He said the Holy Spirit was sent by the Father through Jesus to us. And the power of the Holy Spirit. And the next uh, day, the next class, we talked about where uh, we received the Holy Spirit. So we prayed for each one of the students to receive the power of the Holy Spirit, to be filled with the Spirit. And we were able to get some words. I'll tell you about those later. Some pretty amazing things happening with this group of people. And then we talked about the, fa the fact that God has chosen us. He chose you and calls us to himself, justified by his spirit. You know, one of the things I think about us as Christians, we don't know all the Bible words. Propitiation. If I would tell you to take out your um, a notebook or a piece of paper and give me the definition of propitiation, justification, uh, regeneration, could you do that? You know, those are words that they're studying but we don't use them in our language, I mean our everyday language, but they're important Bible truths that we need to know that Jesus paid the price. He, he was the covering of our sin, the taking away our sin, the atonement, big words. So we talked to them, taught them about regeneration. And then uh, lesson 15, uh, 16, uh, was the matter of Jesus, our healer. And we had a healing service. You know, we're very fortunate in our country to have as much uh, healthy things. Like we couldn't drink their water. The um, American missionary said, whatever you do, don't drink the water. When you're in the shower, don't just take a drink from the shower. Don't let it get in your mouth. When you're brushing your teeth, here's a bottle of water. Pour the water over the toothbrush, brush your teeth, pour the water. Do not drink the water. Watch what you put in your hands. Don't drink the lettuce. Don't drink the lettuce. That's a, that's a fun thing to do. You know, I've never tried that before. I never tried. And I didn't do it then. Do not drink lettuce. And for those that know me well, I had to live by faith, which is breakfast, sour cream over everything. Lord have mercy. So I scrape it off and ate it. So. Uh, but they said, don't eat the lettuce because of the way it's washed and so forth. It might not be good for you. So many of them uh, are sick in those kind of things. And I'll tell you some pretty amazing things as we get to the end of today about healing and what God did in some of the lives of the people that we pray for. Jehovah Rapha. Let me just say this. We know the dual names of God, Jehovah Nisi, Jehovah Jireh, my provider, the Jehovah uh, Rafa, the Lord, our healer. I walked into this church, their church building. I was amazed. We have banners around here, right? Well, these were ha hanging right in the middle. Jehovah El Roy, uh, the God who sees me. Jehovah Rafa, Jehovah Nisi. All the words of God in double, in Spanish, of Hebrew and in Spanish. And I said, I'm at home here. I love this place. It was, it was just a, a real great spirit. Pastor is wonderful. And then finally, we finished up with two things that I think really wrapped up the whole week together. 
that we all need to know is that when we accept the Lord Jesus, we are united with him. He invites us and joins us to be a part of his family. We're, we're born again. We're, we're new creatures in Christ. We're put into his family. And he adopts us as his children. And as in that adoption, we're allowed, uh, given rights. And I don't mean rights like I want my rights. It gives me the, the ability to move beyond just uh, looking through the window, so to speak. Just to look through the window and hope that somehow, can I come in? No, come in. You're part of the family of God. You're allowed to enter in. When, when our kids were little, the boys, uh, were my, our three sons were little, we had a neighbor girl. And I'm not going to say that she was a pest, but she just was there all the time. She was about three or maybe three, I don't know, three or four. Anyway, we're eating, sitting down eating supper and there's uh, the, the back door there, uh, sliding glass door. And here's Ashley, her face right up to the window. Ashley, go home. Just face, I'm not going home. I'm going to be here. Just looking in the window. And I think, how many of you just stand at the window of all that God has, and you don't go in to get it? You need to understand you belong to the family. Well, she didn't belong to her family. The boys got up. One got on legs, and one got on legs, and picked her up and carried her over two lots and say, here, go home and stay over there. We were, they were really friendly to her. Anyway, uh, we looked in, and, and I, it was just powerful to see God's name lifted up, to see Jesus lifted up, to see him in all of his glory. What a powerful name it is, the name of Jesus. So in all our teachings, God saw everything. It was amazing. Not only is he our high priest, we bring our offering, but he comes the lamb, the perfect lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. And God wants Listen, God wants to use you. You're part of his family. He's got something for us to do. God wants to pour out of his spirit on you so that you can fulfill everything that God has called you. And we all felt that God used us to encourage them. Um, in the last day, the last day we're in, after we had prayed and taught and done all these things, uh, the next morning we were about to leave to go back to Veracruz and and uh, they said, the students want to pray for you guys. Really? Okay. So we went back up into the classroom. And after they're done devotions, they, they uh, said, we want to pray for you. And if you turn to Philemon 7, this was one of the verses that one of the ladies who God really touched in a pretty amazing way said, I want to, I want to say this to you. Um, and they actually gave us a cup that had this printed on it. Philemon 7. It was very humbling because verse 7 says, Your love has given us great joy and encouragement because you brothers have refreshed the hearts of the Lord's people. I, I say that your prayers and your involvement with me as your pastor, sending me and Pastor Joe and his church and Don and their gatherings, that we were able to be a blessing to someone. We felt like Paul has said in Romans, I come to give you some gift. And I really felt that God, we just opened up and said, God, just pour out something for people who are hungry for you. Uh, many of these students were older. They're not all you know, teenager kids. There were a couple of younger ones, but some were pastors and some were uh, just people wanting to know God better. We had a, uh, a um, uh, what do you call it, a, when you give them a riddle and ask for an answer, 
uh, I, I have it in Spanish in my head, but I don't know what it is. It's, uh, if I say, who was Moses' father-in-law? What do you call it? And then you have to give the answer. What's that? Questions, I guess? Okay. Well, do you know? Anybody know who Moses' father-in-law was? Jethro. She gets the candy bar. But I don't have any candy bars to give you. And then we got questions like that. And then every once in a while we throw a real hard one. Is how did Noah get the Tyrannus Rex into the ark? What? <laughs> Very carefully is how he did that. So anyway. So we had a good time. And I brought my little blue box, you know. And that was also fun. Uh, anyway. But over uh, that time, I just want to tell you that, that I'm just so thankful for God's presence. In the last several weeks, I've been talking to us through Jesus' words in Luke chapter 12. Let's go there real quick. Luke chapter 12. I just spent a little bit of time um, setting this up, and then I just want to finish up and trying to build your faith in what God did and what God wants to do in you. In uh, Luke chapter 12, you see, if you have a red letter Bible, you see about the next uh, one or two pages, it's all red letter, which is mean Jesus was talking to his disciples. Crowds were gathered around. It said in, earlier in chapter 11, he said that so many had gathered around him that they were pressing each other. It was, the crowd was so thick that they couldn't, they were jostling back and forth with one another. But Jesus was specifically speaking to his disciples. And he addressed three, two or three things. And we looked at these over the past month or so. We looked at these. The first one was in uh, chapter 12, verse 22. Jesus said to his disciples, Therefore I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you eat, or your body, what you shall wear. So Jesus is telling his disciples, even back there 2,000 years ago, he said, listen, you're going to be in a situation where you're going to want to worry. And you're going to get all wrapped up in everything that's going around, on around you. And you're going to get all concerned. And it's going to tie you up in knots. And he said, do not worry. God knows you. God cares about you. Because worry and anxiety lie to you about God. They said, if God loved me, he wouldn't have me in here. No, he has you there to test you, to grow you up, to teach you some things. But don't worry about it because he cares for you. And that's important. We talked a lot about that. The second thing we talked about was verse 23. I'm sorry, 32. 32. Do not be afraid, little uh, flock, for your father has been pleased to give you the kingdom. Don't be afraid because you're part of the kingdom of God. Jesus came preaching the kingdom of heaven is at hand. It's right here. It's near. And the kingdom of God is that which breaks into darkness and brings the light of the gospel to the world. Don't be afraid. So we got a job to do, church, and it's not to be afraid. It's to declare that Jesus Christ is Lord and that he, has the, he is your answer. Jesus said, it, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father but by me. So it's important that we grab hold of what Jesus is saying. And then verse 35 to 40, which I'll read in just a minute again, he said, um, watch for his coming. When I read it, you'll pick up these words. It is good when he comes to find you looking for him. So we talked about the coming of the Lord and how important that is to look for his coming. Now let's uh, follow along in verse 35. Now as we would teach, we wouldn't read this in English and they would read in Spanish. We just said, go ahead and read it in Spanish so you all hear it. But uh, so I'd wait and wait and wait until they were done and hope they read the right section because I didn't know. So then we'd talk about it. But I'm going to read it. Verse 35. Be dressed, ready for service, and keep your lamps burning. 
like servants waiting for their master to return from, from a wedding banquet so that when he comes and knocks, they can immediately open the door for him. It'll be good for those servants whose master finds them watching when he comes. Truly, I tell you, he will dress himself to serve. We'll have them recline at the table and will come and wait on them. It'll be good for those servants whose master finds them ready, even if he comes at the middle of the night or towards daybreak. But understand this, if the owner of the house had known at what hour the thief was coming, he would not let his house be broken into. You also must be ready, for the coming of man will come at an hour when you do not expect him. Now we looked at that. Let's go on though. Verse 41. Peter asked at this juncture in, the, in his teaching, Lord, are you telling this parable to us or to everyone? The Lord answered, Who then is the faithful and wise manager whom the master puts in charge of his servants to give them their food allowance at the proper time? It will be good for that servant whom when the master finds doing so when he returns. Truly, I tell you, he'll put him in charge of all his possessions. But suppose the servant says to himself, my master is taking a long time coming, and he then begins to beat the other servants, both men and women, that he eat and drink and get drunk. The master, that servant, will come on a day when he does not expect him, and at an hour he is not aware of, he will cut him to pieces and assign him a place with the unbelievers. The servant who knows the master's will and does not get ready or does not do what the master wants, will be beaten with many blows. But the one who does not know and does things deserving punishment will be beaten with few blows. For everyone who has been given much, much will be demanded or required. And from the one who has been entrusted with much, much more will be asked. The matter that is talking about fundamentally, there's a lot of dynamics in this uh, teaching of Jesus, but the one I want to focus on is doing what the master wants, being a servant to the master, doing what he's asked to do, do what pleases the master. Ephesians 2.10, we know 8.9, it says, for grace are you saved through faith, that not of yourselves as a gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. But verse 10 says, for we are his workmanship Created in Christ Jesus for good works, which is called un, and prepared, uh, prepared before uh, for us to do. I'm not saying it right. He has prepared for us to do. God has saved us not by works, but when we belong to him, we become his servant, we do what he says, and we have works to do. We have things that God is asking us to do. And the picture that Jesus gives is to be ready doing, active, not just sitting there, hanging on, but to do, looking to him, to his will, and follow along with his wishes and desires. You know, that's how Jesus lived. He said over and over again, I can give you some references for this, but Jesus said, I don't do anything but what I see my father doing. What I see my father doing, that's what I'm going to do. So if you see me healing, that's what the Father wants to do, is heal the sick. If you see me, he said, I don't even say things on my own initiative. I say what the Father tells me to say. For you are taking some notes, let me give you this. Uh, Matthew chapter 20, 20 to 28 says, Jesus came to serve in his attitude, his lifetime. Not to be served, but to serve and to give himself a ransom for many. So Jesus came to serve. 
okay, I need to be a servant. I need to serve the Lord. I've given him my life. I want to do something for him. But then what normally comes in on us, I'm not worthy. I'm just not good enough. I just, how could God ever use the likes of me? I mean, I don't even like me. How could God like me? And it's again, it's a lie of the enemy because he's called us by name. He knows who we are. He's chosen us. He loves us. And he says, come follow me. Be one of mine and just, I have works for you to do. It'll be great. And so often we don't know that he loves us. But God has chosen us and he's called us not only to serve him and to do his will to himself, but he calls us that we might know him. It's a relationship with him. Go to Mark, uh, go to Genesis chapter 12, 1 through 3. Genesis 12, 1 through 3. You see, it's in a relationship that God calls us to be with him. He calls us to himself, not just to a place, not just to a vocation or a job. He calls with us to himself. And that call is also included in the power to do what he says, to walk it out. Throughout the scriptures, people were called by God. Throughout the scriptures, he called. The first one we'll look at is Abraham. Genesis 12, verse 1 to 3. And the Lord said to Abram, Go from your country, your people, and your father's household to the land I'll show you. I will make you a great nation, and I will bless you. I will make your name great, and you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and whoever curses you, I'll curse. And all the peoples of the earth will be blessed through you. So Abram went as the Lord had told him. <coughs> you see, in the, Old, in the Old Testament, we have these, these instances where God calls Abraham. He said, come, go, go, go. I've got a place for you. I've got a place of blessing for you. I've got a place where I'm going to pour out blessing on you. And out of you is going to come great blessings. You see, I believe very strongly that when you get in the right place where God has you and you grab hold of them, I'm here, Lord. You've got me here. God can use you to be a blessing. But if you're over there when God wants you here, there's no blessing over there. Our son Joe was leaving Mon uh, Montana Bible School one uh, at a time and he wanted to stay there and work. And and yet there was a place open for him in Colorado to serve, to work all summer as a camp counselor in a Bible camp. And we're talking to him, I don't know what to do. And I remember Judy saying so wisely, she said to him, listen, Joe, if God wants you in Colorado, you better not stay in Montana. And the same way goes true. You find out where God wants you, and that's where blessing's going to be. And he was, and he did, and God blessed him there. You know, I need to be in the place that God's called us to be. God called Old Testament people. He called the people. Go to Exodus chapter 19, just a few more pages towards the back of your Bible. Genesis, I'm sorry, Exodus 19. Exodus 19. To a whole people, God pronounces these words. I'll begin at verse 3. Moses went up to God, and the Lord called to him from the mountain and said, This is what you're to say to the descendants of Jacob and what you're to tell the people of Israel. You yourselves have seen what I did to Egypt and how I carried you on eagles' winds, wings and brought you to myself. And if you obey me fully and keep my covenant, then out of all the nations you will be my treasured possessions. 
Although the whole earth is mine, you'll be for me a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. These are the words you're to speak to the Israelites. You see, God called the people. In 1 Peter, it's repeated as God calls his church. He said, you're going to be a chosen people. Don't you know that he chose you? He's called you to be his priesthood, his kings, to, to proclaim who he is to all the earth. Go to the book of Amos. Now, I'll give you a little bit of time to find the book of Amos. If you find Psalms, you have, you've still got to go further back. Uh, you find Isaiah. Keep moving. You find Ezekiel, Daniel, Hosea, Joel, and Amos. I can't go backwards. That's, I can only go forwards with that. Amos chapter 7. Listen to this man's uh, testimony. His, his word of um, Amos chapter 7 and verse 14. Amos answered Amaziah. He was talking to a high priest there. He said, I was neither a prophet nor the son of a prophet, but I was a shepherd and also took care of the sycamore fig trees. But the Lord took me from tending the flock and said to me, Go prophesy to my people Israel. Now then, say, This is the word of the Lord. And he gave him words to say. God said, Amos says, Listen, I was just a shepherd. I was just taking care of sheep, and God called me to be a prophet. I can't hardly imagine that. And he said, You go now and you proclaim the word of the Lord. So God calls people. Now go to Mark chapter 3. Very quickly, Mark chapter 3, verse 13. God calls us, God knows us, and God has called us to himself. Mark chapter 3 and verse 13. Mark three thirteen. It says that Jesus went up on a mountainside and called to him those he wanted, and they came to him. He appointed 12 that they might notice this, that they might be with him and that he might send them out to preach and to have authority to drive out demons. And these are the 12 he appointed and there's the list of the 12 disciples. When Jesus went up to pray and he's about to begin his ministry, uh, he was looking for disciples that he could teach and train and equip to carry on the work. He called them, first of all, to himself to be with him. He didn't call them to do the work first. He said, you just be with me. I just want to say, any of you who are, are ministering or, or want to work for the Lord, be careful that the work doesn't take the place of just being with Jesus. Because your call is to be with him. God is looking for people who have a relationship with him. Jesus wants to, to, to walk with us and teach us. The Holy Spirit wants to guide our steps. He's given us his word that could be a light to our path and a, and a, a light for our walkway, that he's going to tell us which way to go and teach us and walk. He wants us to be with him. We need to worship him, to be with him, to love him before we go out and try to do anything. But oftentimes we get all caught up. Well, I'm going to serve God, but he said, I just want you to be with me. I want you to walk with me. I want you to know me, and I want to know you, and we're going to walk together, and you're going to see what goes on, and you're going to listen to, to the Father's words, and, and you're going to learn how to walk in, 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 the, in the power of God. You're going to learn how to do that, but I need you to be with me, and then I can give you the authority that you need to walk on that. And with that team of men, Jesus began to call Israel and all the nations to himself. 
Let me give you some other verses. Matthew chapter 9, verse 13. Jesus said, I've come to call sinners and not the righteous. Another scripture, he said, I've come to, that, to seek and to save that which was lost. Jesus came to call people to himself. 1 Peter chapter 2 said, he's called us out of darkness into his marvelous light. God's called you out of darkness into his light. In 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 26 to 31, he said, he's called us into fellowship with him. To know God, to walk with him. The will of God is to serve him. Early this morning, I was remembering a hymn that uh, was, maybe it's not so old, but I couldn't find all the words to it, but I did remember some, and I wrote them down. And the hymn writer said this. He said, the longer I serve him, the sweeter he grows. The more that I love him, more love he bestows. Each day is like heaven. My heart overflows. The longer I serve him, the sweeter he grows. You see, I've discovered this, and I, I just feel just such much love for Jesus by serving him this past week in a new and unique way for me for a long time. That God is so good. Jesus is so wonderful. And you can just serve him. The joy of serving Jesus. You know, you can get a lot of joy out of your, your job, maybe, of fulfilling a job. I, when I was back in plumbing, I liked to see things get finished. You can ask Judy, but don't ask her because she knows all the stories. I can just drive down the road. See, see that building? I did the plumbing in that building. See, I know, Jim. See that? I did. The, I know, Jim. See that one? I did that one. I know, Jim. So back in the plumbing, I always wanted to see something I did, you know. Being a pastor, I could not see anything I do. So I'll sweep a floor. Look at it. Clean the floor. Just try to find something. But in all that of doing that, I enjoyed part of my work. I enjoyed my work. I enjoyed being a pastor. I enjoy all that. But I'm telling you what, it's nothing compared to seeing what Jesus tells you to do and you do it. And there's joy that floods your heart. When you open up your mouth and tell somebody about Jesus, you might be scared to death. But when you walk away, joy fills your heart. Because you've done what the Father has asked you to do. Our little grandson, Reese, uh, we were down there one time down in Nashville, North Carolina. And... Uh, the, uh, the, the power went out. The, it was just really a strange thing. And the power company came, and there was two or three guys that came in a big truck, and they're lifting this transformer out and doing all kinds of stuff. And Reese is about 10. And they had, at school, they had, she goes to a Christian school, they had a little thing about telling people about Jesus, that Jesus loves you, his little card. And she went out there, and just as sweet and as honest, she took this and gave to one to each of them and said, Jesus wants you to know this. Jesus wants, and so she's witnessing, and she comes running back in the house and just bursts into tears. Oh, what did I do? But it was joy of telling somebody about Jesus. I pray that we would learn how to walk in the joy of obedience. Jesus said, for the joy set before me, I've endured the cross, despised the shame. The joy of the Lord. And God works, and Jesus came to serve. Go to Philippians chapter 2. Philippians chapter 2. Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians. Philippians chapter 2. You might know where I'm going to go with this one. But he said, if the, if it, therefore, if you have any encouragement from being united with Christ, if any comfort from his love, if any common sharing in the Spirit, if any tenderness and compassion, I'm in Philippians 2, 2, then make my joy complete by being like-minded. Have the same love, being one in spirit and of one mind. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourselves, not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interests of others. 
in your relationship with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus. And here it's going to talk about Jesus. Who being in the very nature of God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself. He became obedient to the death, even death on a cross. Therefore, God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name which is above every name, that the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth. And every tongue confess or acknowledge that Christ Jesus is Lord to the glory of God my Father. You see, it's, let me go on. Therefore, my dear friends, as you have always obeyed, not only in my presence, now much more in my absence, continue to work on, out your salvation with fear and trembling, for it is God who works in you to will and to act in order to fulfill his purpose. We have that promise that when we obey the Lord, he works in us to do his will. He's the master. But we need to share, to, just to, to share the power of the Holy Spirit. We're called by the Father. Called by the Holy Spirit. You've been called by him. I needed him to call my name. It says anybody who comes to, the, uh, to Jesus, the Father draws him. The Holy Spirit convinces and convicts me of my sin that I'm a sinner. And I open up my heart to the Lord Jesus and he enlightens my mind. And I begin to see things um, uh, and to see the darkness. He renews my mind. and I'm, Otherwise, I'm in darkness, but he renews my mind. He renews my will, restores, changes I want my desires, imparts me the capacity to give my heart to God and walk in his power and to embrace him. The Holy Spirit is there, so we need to talk about that. You know, I really felt the Holy Spirit's presence and power to us as Joe and Don and I were there uh, to be his servants to touch people. We saw some pretty amazing things this past week. Um, we saw faces changed. There's a man, he's an indigenous man, Mestico, I'm not sure where tribal was, but he sat about the second row back and, and he had a real uh, red shirt on. And we, for a couple of days we said, it's the guy with the red shirt. It's the guy with the red shirt. We didn't know his name was uh, Angel, Angel Angel, uh, but he's a tribe and he was a pastor, but he's so tight, just, and uh, he looked like he could come out of any Mexican movie. He had suave, he had a nice mullet going back, and he had the mustache and glasses, like the Frito Bandito or something. He wasn't that at all, but oh, he was tight. It was just, he, it was like he could hardly stand to be there in the room with us. And we saw God touch him. God just, I'll tell you some of the examples, but I'll just say that as the Holy Spirit began to talk to them about Jesus, and, and they're believers, you know, it, it, how many know the believers can be depressed at times and discouraged and uptight? Not you guys, right? Don't look at the person beside you. They're sitting there uptight right now. Just they say, be calm. You're a believer. Walk in joy. So uh, we, and, then, and then another one. Just their countenances changed as the Lord began to touch their hearts. It, it was just really, um, we prayed for each one. Um, to receive the fullness of God's spirit. If they've been baptized in spirit, we pray to be a renewal of their heart. And if God gave us something to pray, we prayed it. We prayed over them. And I want to give you some of the examples to stir your faith, to allow God to use you to say some things. There was a lady by the name of Norma. She sat on the front row. She had a very winsome smile. 
she had gray hair, just not wonderful lady. But she came up for prayer because we went right down the road and prayed for each one. And, and Norma, uh, you know, we just began to pray for her. We didn't ask questions because we don't know them. We don't know anything about them. And so as we were, these are their testimonies, by the way, after, afterwards, because uh, they gave testimony of what happened. So we're praying for her and saying, Lord, just uh, fill her cup. And I, I just sense the Lord said, take her hands, because they're just down, and, and take her hands and, and put them like, uh, and so I just put her hands like this. And I said, now, Lord, just fill these hands. These hands that feel empty, these hands that feel without God, and they just, and she's hungry for you. I just know she's hungry for you, and she's asking you to fill her hands. So I prayed that way and prayed that God would overflow her and, and just to give her all that she needed. The testimony was the next morning she said, You didn't know this, but I had asked God the day before. She said, I saw myself with a basket, and I said, God, please, please fill my heart. I need something for you. She said, I just thought I was holding a basket. And, um, and I didn't know what to do. And they said, when you held my hands and brought my, your hand, the hands together, it was exactly how I held it. And you didn't know that. And my hands are there, as I saw in my own prayer. And Jesus filled me up. I'm going to come back to Norma in a minute. But we saw that God answered the cry of her heart. Aviel. A man, second, second row, he came, it's his turn to pray, and Pastor Joe and Don are praying, and I've got my hands uh, on, behind him, and he had his hands up to the Lord, and um, just said, Lord, what do you want to say to this man? I, I grabbed hold of his hand, because I was behind him, and I just began to say, I think the Lord, um, I said, I don't know anything about your father, I don't know if he was a hard man or an easy man or whether it was good or bad. I'm, I don't know anything about your father. But I know this, that God wants to be your father right now. I feel that Father God is saying to you, you don't have to please your earthly father anymore. Your father in heaven has now been, is your father, and he is well pleased with you. And you need to know that, that God is well pleased with you, and he calls you his son the son I'm, in whom I am well pleased. And the man broke down, and he's weeping, and he grabs hold of me, and he just is bawling, crying, and I'm holding on to him. Say, Lord, be his father, be his father. I didn't know until after we were praying that his father had just passed away about a year before. And he told the testimony the next morning. He said, it just, my, wife, my mother and my siblings we are so broken by my dad's death, we didn't know what to do. And I received Jesus, my father, God. He became my father. And I called my mother last night. And I said, Mom, this is what happened. And God wants to be your husband. And she cries. And, and my goodness, it was just tears going everywhere as the father God ministered to a mother someplace and a son right there. It was amazing. We didn't know. Nobody told us what's going on. And then we had a couple in the, in the group who, she, we, we didn't really know that they were husband and wife. She sat over there, he sat over here. Didn't put any connections. There was no um, holding hands, no love touches, none of that kind of thing. So we didn't know. But I'd been introduced to them maybe uh, something and said they'd been married 15 years. And that's all I knew. So we come time to pray and uh, they're standing there and his head is down, just uh, weighted down. And... Uh, 
I reached forward and I took their hands. Now, Joe and Don, we've, we're all doing this thing, but I, I just, and I held her, I said, hold your hands, bring them here. And I said, we're at the altar when you got married. Do you remember that day? Do you remember when you said you loved each other? Do you remember when you made that covenant to one another? And God wants to renew that covenant. They have been married 15 years. He said, these 15 years have been hard, but God wants to renew this as the two of you get closer to Jesus. He, and the love you have is going to increase. The more you love Jesus, the more you, you're going to love one another. And one of the other brothers said, two are better than one. Two are better than one. Little did we realize there was a pastor's wife and there had been some kind of failure in their marriage. We find out later that they were at such struggle they didn't even know if they are going to make it. And God restored forgiveness. She grabbed him. He grabbed her. And just love and forgiveness. And God set them free. We didn't know. We're just praying. Said, Lord, just whatever they need, go ahead and give it. Older pastor was there, 75 years old. I thought I was the oldest dog in the kennel. But he was older than me by three years. And... Uh, pastor and he said the night before my whole side is paralyzed and he said I'm laying in bed I think Lord I'm going to die I think this is going to be it for me and he said I think I better go home but he stuck, stuck, stuck around and he said when I came this morning all my pain is gone and he said the Lord the healer has touched my body give me strength to carry on I've got, I've got churches to go to I've got things I need to do I just saw Caleb where he had the strength to take that mountain up. Different ones. Another word, you're at a crossroads. And a person in the heart said, I'm at a crossroads. We speak, the Lord says you're at a crossroads. But God loves you. Another man came for prayer and he felt that all he would get from God is like you bad person. But all he got was God's love to him. Now the next day, we taught on healing. And a lot of people came come for healing. All kinds of stuff. The woman from the United States said, I've been sick. I was at a woman's conference. I've been sick for three days. I can't even make it to the meetings. Uh, they're the missionaries that we sort of worked with. And we prayed for her. And she said, immediately, God gave her strength to go on. I want to come back to Norma. And then I'm going to uh, quit because I've got so many. She was a lady with a basket. And when it comes time for healing, she said, my hands hurt so bad. And, and I just need prayer for my hands. And we were praying for them that they might be touched by God and that God would fill their hands with a healing touch to go and touch other people. And she held her hands and we prayed for her hands that God would heal her and then send her back. That's, you know, we just pray and ask God to do it. Well, that night they had a fiesta for us. They made hamburgers <laughs> with no beans and no rice and no tortillas. It was a real hamburger. It was good. I'm watching, I'll tell you someday, because it was about a 10-layer hamburger. It had bacon and ham, and it was, it was big. And then, they had, and then we put on special sauce. I said, special sauce? What special sauce? Oh, Philadelphia cream cheese. No special sauce for me. <laughs> put the special sauce. And they just laughed at me. So anyway, but I got my hamburger. And I, and I looked over, and she's cutting up uh, avocados, slicing them. And she would, they were layering them. This guy's putting mayonnaise, this one's putting avocado, this, you know, these hamburgers are used. And um, so she's slicing them. And I walked up, I said, Norma, and she's, she doesn't, I don't understand her, she doesn't understand me. But I said, how are your hands? She looked down at her hands. They're good. That's the more bueno. She said, I couldn't close my hands only like this. And she said, I'm good. It surprised her that she was healed. God wants to do that through you. God wants to do that through me. God wants to use us to pray that people would be healed and in simple ways 
that they could see and give glory to God for what he has done. I could give you more stories. I could give you different things that happened. But God has called you and me to step out in faith, to pray. Just hear what God says and go do it. And you're empowered by the Holy Spirit. And, it, and you can do it. There were three cooks upstairs who cooked for us every day. They didn't come down for lessons. And Pastor Joe said, I want them to be included in our prayers. So they brought them down, three of them. And um, he looked around the room and he said, Jim, I'm going to do this. I'm going to pick out three people who are not pastors, who have never done this before in their lives, and I'm going to ask them to come and pray. So there's three ladies that he said, I want three ladies to come and pray for the three cooks. But there happened to be a fourth cook that came that day, so we had four ladies up there. And these three ladies began to pray, and they were so nervous. What am I going to say? But God just filled their mouth, and they began to pray for each lady. And blessing flowed. Love of Jesus flowed to people. And we're able to encourage people's hearts. But it's all because God calls us to serve him, to build up our faith and their faith, that we can do what God calls us to be. We're called to answer his call, to be his servants, to allow him to use us to touch the world in his name. So I'm speaking to Suffield Fellowship this morning. I'm speaking to all of us that God has said, you've been taught long enough, it's time to get up and do the works that I've called you to do. It's time that you pray for people. It's time you intercede for people. It's time that we begin to see out of us the flow of life and just the touch of Jesus. Not weird stuff. I'm not talking about that. All this was just natural like I'm talking to you because God is a natural God. He's supernaturally natural. He doesn't want to get you all wigged out and do crazy stuff. He just said, just simply take me to a lost and dying world and let me do what I'm going to do. And that's a powerful thing for all of us. So I'm fully expecting in days to come, not only are you going to see some release in your life, but God's going to use you in, a, in ways that you're going to come back and say, I can't believe it. I prayed for this person in the grocery store, and they accepted Jesus. We're going to see those kind of things happening. Why? Because God's on the move, and he wants his church to be his church in these last days. Amen? Amen. You ready to do that? You're going to say, Jesus, it's all for Jesus. I'm going to do that. Let's stand up. Worship team, come. Father God, I pray right now that all over this room we, our faith would be stirred up and we say, Lord, I want to follow you. You've called us and you've got things for us. And Lord, I pray that there be new release in all of us, that we, faith would arise that we can be used by you. We thank you. We give you praise in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Let's sing together this chorus of praise. Jesus, all for Jesus. All I have and ever hope to be, I give it to you, Lord. If you've never given your life to Jesus, give your life to Jesus. He's a wonderful Savior. Submit to him again today. Say, here I am, Lord, use me. Be like Isaiah. Here I am, send me. Let's sing together. He's us.